Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Fundamentalist. We're going to get started in just a second, but just a quick announcement. There's a slight chance that maybe uh, Pete's microphone was not on for uh, the first 15 <laughs> minutes, uh, so we might have had to do some finagling with the audio. So if there's something off, hang with it. It'll last for 16 minutes, but we didn't want to lose it because it was a good conversation. And, and yeah, enjoy. Welcome to The Fundamentalists folks pete it's good to see you yeah it's good to see you uh i <laughs> you miss you been, yeah you have not been around no no not at all and i'm about to get i'm about to leave and i'm about to go get on a uh plane i'm gonna go went back to las vegas yeah. a month after going recently and i love las vegas but i'm, it's, I'm um, between the two stops between go to a casino and uh and then also palm springs so i every weekend i've been uh fundamentalist sponsored by what yes. casino this week uh this will be the luxor the luxor casino thank you for asking yeah. yes um i'm very excited and i'm uh, i'm having a great time but life is a bit of a whirlwind and um that's also going to relate to us being on a schedule for this podcast which we're going to talk about yeah um this podcast, folks, is a combination of philosophy and comedy. Uh, I myself, some would say I'm a comedian, um, not many, uh, and some many would say that you some are would a say I'm philosopher. But you know, some many. would yeah disagree. This is yeah, this is uh, what what we do. I uh, I'm enjoying a nice cup of coffee here, as well as uh, a hair of the dog cocktail to. Um, ease my woes this yes. morning before get, getting back get on ready my... for the Vegas. Yes, exactly. This uh, podcast is actually sponsored by uh, trywink.com slash fundamentalists. If anybody likes wine out there, uh, we need to get more wine from them. Mm. Actually, it's nice to get another wine. box yeah. of wine. And, uh, uh, it's so good, people. If you use it, it's wonderful. And it helps us, and we use it just to pay for um, the editing for the podcast. So, anyway, yeah. how are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good, man. Good. I've been enjoying a very relaxing uh, few months. It's been very uneventful. I, I've just been enjoying being in L.A. and reading good. and doing my usual stuff, getting ready for Ireland. What's, yeah, what's next? What's on the docket? Probably the next big thing is back to Ireland where cool. you're going to be as well. Yes, I'm very the, excited. Uh, for Wake. Uh, we should talk about that because and Wake is a boutique festival that is like a, full of art and, and, and talks and I've never been and I'm very excited. We have mutual friends who've been. You, it's obviously your, your thing, so I think you've been. Yeah. Um, what can people look forward to? Well, we have some. So we have some world class uh, thinkers there. We've got a Todd McGowan, who's a mm -hmm. film theorist, academic. We've got Jameson Webster, who's a psychoanalyst, an academic. We have uh, Elliot Morgan, Elliot Morgan, comedian, Paul Curry, comedian. We have. Um, I was going to say academic, but that's fine. I'll yeah, yeah. Com academic stroke, a comedian. comedian. Yeah. And we have yeah, we got we haven't nailed down the music yet. I've got a couple of bands that I really want to get. Cool. The, the oh, you were telling us. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so god. Barry Taylor's going to be there, and that's just basically it's a it's five days of pub crawls, uh, ideas, uh, cabaret, art, music, whatever. So. And when you show up, you're like. You're in a hotel. You're in like a really cool like. No, that's the other one. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry, all right, back away Oof. off that. Yes. You're not getting any nice hotel if you come okay. to Wake. I see. You have I to see. get a shitty Airbnb. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you get okay. a, yeah, you get a tent. Well, in that case, yeah. I'm infuriated. Um, yeah. No, that's you great. will get the, uh, somewhere to stay. Yes, uh, I will get somewhere there. to stay, folks. I'm a special, mm -hmm. <laughs> special case. I won't be uh, an Airbnb. Sounds great. But here, um, by the way, if we have any locals, because like to be honest, at this stage, it's hard for anybody to to buy tickets we basically you know sold what we need to sell but but if you're a local 
uh, there's a fringe tickets to so they can go and hear you. Oh, for cool. example, so they don't have to buy a ticket for the whole event. They can just buy a ticket to hear you. Oh, really? Your comedy. They Great. Can, yeah, all the evening stuff is uh, it's is open for locals. Oh, I can't, dude. I, I, that's so fun because I that means I can advertise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Cool, man. Um, well, that's super exciting. I've never been to Belfast, and I'm, I'm or even in Europe at all. Oh, I've yeah. never been in any kind of place across the pond. So that's very exciting. Um, what are we talking about on this episode? Well, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, why we're so rubbish at uh, putting these out on time. Yes. And what I wanted to do is justify that and show why actually this is the way we should be doing things. So this um, is an episode of rationalization. Rationalization. <laughs> exactly. You do this is an episode wrong. of excuses. Five reasons to justify it. Exactly. Because um, it's funny, actually, we were talking about this and, and I, I, I was thinking about it. I was going like, well... There's a slight issue that many of us face today, especially your generation. What's your generation called? I'm you're still the, a millennial. You're a millennial, yeah, right? I'm a, yeah, I'm yeah. a late millennial, I think. Or so, like an early millennial. Well, this issue, I think, is more of a millennial problem. It's a pro- It's been a problem throughout time, but mm-hmm. you guys are facing it in a very uh, acute way. And um, it's basically... Uh, there's this. If anybody's ever read uh, biblical stuff, they'll know this phrase: "Be in the world, but not of it." Beautiful right? phrase. Beautiful phrase. And I want to unpack what that means, because really, what we're facing today is this need to be completely integrated into the world. So what we're doing and people are doing is folding in their hobbies and their interests into their work, uh, into their way of making a living, into their way of being basically more integrated into the ideological structure, into society. If you find a way to make money doing what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And you'll stop loving what you do. That should be the the next (laughs) part of that phrase. And then the good news is you stop loving what you do. You will start to despise your hobby. So here's an example. That explains why I haven't done stand-up comedy in a while. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because when I see that comment, go like, yeah, find a way of doing what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, you're going like, yeah, but there's something missing, which is as soon as you start to fold what you love into the desire to have a reputation, to have money, to have success, as soon as all of those get wrapped up in your hobby, your hobby changes. And actually the way you relate to your hobby, because one thing about a hobby you could say is that a hobby is actually supposed to be a way for you to resist being in the world. It's what you do to escape, yeah. to escape, to to get a moment of something different, or in in more academic language we've talked about before, it's it's a temporary autonomous zone. It's a Taz moment where you reimagine your world in a brief, uh, like a you know, it, it, two days a week you go off and you do this thing that you love doing, and the idea is that that Taz moment does improve the rest of your life. But as a critique of your life, it's not integrated. So as soon as you integrate a Taz moment into your yeah. existence, it stops being a Taz and it becomes something else. And mm. that's what I'd love to kind of unpack. Cool, cool. I yeah. love this. Okay, great. So one example, we were talking about this, but I met a lovely guy at, um, it's actually at a Patreon event, uh, this hangout. I showed up, I said from five to nine and uh, we showed up uh, at five o'clock. And then we were the first there, realized that's a bit of a hangout, and I felt like the uncool kid. At were a party. you at a round table? No, no, it was bigger. You were, oh, okay. You, I, I, yeah, I want to hear your experience yeah. as well. So, my experience was you, you guys, I think, were at the kind of the cooler kind of. We were definitely the more, yeah, yeah. it was like one of Phil DeFranco's, um, one of his people was there, and there were a few people there. One guy had like a network, he had, I forget his name, but yeah, he had 
so many different Patreon accounts that were, um, or pages that were doing really well, and he managed all of it. It was very cool. You, you were at the adults table. I was basically uh, a focus group for Patreon, yeah. where they were like, is this okay? What do I, What direction do you want us to go in? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, we just don't know what we're doing. But anyway, yeah. I can't believe, I, you got to the adults table, I was at the children's table, because I was with all the people who are individuals trying to, you know, make a living through mm-hmm. the use of Patreon. So it was actually much more fun sounding You were years. probably right at the cutoff too because they, they broke down how many, what who actually is on Patreon and able to sort of make their life happen with it. And um, it's, it, you know, it's gargantuanly yeah. small. I mean, it's like infinitesimally small. I know. Well, Which well, is, so that means that you probably were, yeah. Were yeah. Bigger fish, I guess. Yeah, and, and there were some people at my group who were doing very well. One of them was this particular guy, yes. who, lovely guy who does slot videos. And I didn't even know what slot videos were, but it's where he goes to somewhere like Vegas and he mm-hmm. plays slot machines. He videos what happens and he puts that up online. And uh, he does this every day. And he has like so many patrons. I mean, he has, I can't remember the number, but it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. But um, what struck me is this is just a good example of. He probably enjoys slot machines. That's his. That was something he enjoyed doing. But then he found a way, which is kind of wonderful, that really wonderful moment where you find a way of making a living doing what you actually enjoy. Yeah. By but, gambling, too. By gambling. Very funny. Yeah. yeah. But now... He's, mother ever beat the system what a genius yes but he, the system uh, never gets beaten that's the problem yeah, the house always wins even uh, when you're filming it yeah. yeah and that's that's you know any gambler who's the house always wins and it, and the system always wins there's ways to beat the system but it's not by playing the system's rules and if you play by the rules now and I didn't get talking to him very much he might not say this but now he has to create these videos every day he's having to record these these slot machine things mm-hmm. and going very soon that the enjoyment of that is going to is going to wear so when we first started talking about this this episode you'd mentioned um because we talk about these things for hours before we yeah. do them if people don't know you know we, we really go back and forth a lot but uh when you mentioned it you said it was about be becoming a product and i think yeah. i thought the term like don't become a product it was so interesting because you're right like you do this thing you do the patreon you create a world in which all of a sudden you're like you're a machine yeah. that just like has to churn out stuff. And yes. I know this is like, we're, I, it seems like we're flirting with um, uh, anti-capitalist rhetoric and I simply won't stand for it. Yes. No, no, no. Not in this household. <laughs> in this yeah. household, we will watch Fox News and we will love America. But yeah, um, yeah is there something in that? Is there some kind of like connection there where it's like we're just becoming drones? Yeah, I mean, there's a beautiful phrase that was used by a guy, I think it was Herbert Marcuse, one di- he wrote a book called One Dimensional Man, and it was basically just saying that really with the Industrial Revolution, amazing things happened, so like incredible advances, but there was a danger that we so integrate within uh, whatever political or economic system we exist within that we become one-dimensional. Yeah. That we start to view each other as commodities. We start to view our life as commodity. Um, and that's why I was thinking about our podcast is in one sense, we are commodifying our friendship. Yes. Uh, we hang out, we sit in the sofa, we chat. Then we thought, let's record it, make it into a podcast. And that can come and bite you in the ass eventually. Yeah. It's so funny too in LA. Like we don't even um, like each other now. Not exactly. Yeah, so. Oh my, dude, this is tearing us apart. <laughs> the success of the, this podcast is too much. Uh, yeah, any, I think any like group of friends that I know in Los Angeles has started a podcast together yeah. at some point, which is such a weird like, 
eventually you're just like hanging out and you're like, you know, other people should hear this. It's so narcissistic. I mean, we have like, we do sort of, I think, create together a product that is good in this podcast, which is talking about philosophy and comedy. But then it also, yeah, we don't really, I mean, obviously lately I'm completely, you know, I'm in a phase and I'm enamored and I'm having the time of my life. And so it's different. There's also that, which is just scheduling becomes a, a, a not good. And probably that's going to last forever. It probably I don't want to tempt will. fate. It probably will. <laughs> yeah. Was that line? Yeah, in, such uh, a good line in Peep Show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh shit! What is it? Yeah. Uh, uh, I do. I don't want to speak too soon, but I think everything's going to be all right from here on in. <laughs> something like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't want to speak too soon, but I think everything's going to be great forever. Something yeah, that's like that. right. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this. I don't want. I don't want to say anything, but I think I. I actually had that thought when I was in Palm Springs uh, with Grace, and I wasn't with her. I was just in the bathroom, and I was we were having a great time, and I was using the restroom, and I like looked at myself in the mirror, like, "Wait, do I just get to be happy now?" Yeah. And then I was like, "Ah, no, it's yeah. coming, it's coming." <laughs> I'm waiting like with 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 bated breath. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, we we do the podcast kind of when we do it right now. Yeah, uh, but I do think it creates a better dynamic than being like, you know, I I don't like when people are like we go back and forth with this in the valley folk because we have a schedule but there's certain times where it's like no we have the option to not do things like to turn we, the video off and have fun yeah. yeah and i kind of like today it's friday and i'm not going in and normally we would shoot stuff on friday and steve's not going in so it's like okay let's just have a day like we yeah. can do that we're all shot out we have our schedule uh, in place we're not missing anything and it keeps our editor from um our, our main shooter editor from having to drive up uh, and it's like this also creates a world where we don't where we're when we see each other again we're happier and we're yeah. having more fun because it's also like none of this stuff should get serious but the podcasting is like I would hate for either of us to be like I can't do something because I have to be filming a podcast at 9am exactly and we do that we schedule it but not in a way that's like regimented yeah. well we schedule it and then I don't know if we ever actually <laughs> You know, fulfill the schedule. Never. Yeah, I love the schedule. Making Dude, the schedule so that like can... the moment you tweeted, I was like, "Yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. It. It's not gonna happen." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I've seen. I saw a clinical psychologist, a well-known clinical psychologist, for example, saying that he works with people who say have trouble uh, sleeping or who have trouble hanging out with their parents or their their children, right? Because they're always wanting to work. And he was saying that one of the ways he deals with this is he shows them how sleeping more, hanging out with more with their kids, uh, hanging out more with their partner will actually make them better workers. Yeah. So what's weirdly happening there? Yeah. No, that's that, uh, a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Talking with my friend Joe last night. Yeah. Uh, about doing just that, where I was like, we need to do like once or twice a month. We need to go out, schedule it, and let's get drunk and have fun and talk I was like because we're not doing that and yeah. we're not doing it as a group we're not doing it as a company and I was like this is what's going to make us better anyway yeah, yeah. well the, the two-edged sword to this is the, the bad hangover. way is that well the hangover yeah <laughs> but the, the bad thing is suddenly what happens or very gradually what happens is even your social time is folded into yes. making you better yep. workers yep. Uh, rather than your social time potentially being what gets you to think of it another type of work or another way of doing life. Mm-hmm. So that that's the issue that I think millennials really face. Even drug use and stuff like anti-anxiety pills, uh, all of this stuff we've talked about is can make us more efficient workers, but that's not necessarily a good thing because then we become more and more a product. Yeah. You know, um, very interesting. Yeah. It's like, there's no win except for the fact that what a good problem to have. 
Yeah, well, and a good win for you because you know, like in one sense, you're working very hard at the moment, and you are trying to. That's very sweet of you to say. Yeah, you are. You're really going for it. But the great thing is, you're also going to Vegas I'm, just to have fun. I'm actively seeking a certain amount of fun. Yeah. Yes, and and there's a um, as a Bataille, great philosopher Bataille, he talks about how any system, any energy system, any political system, uh, basically any system requires energy to function. But that systems also gather uh, more energy than they need. So think about the sun. So the sun gives energy to the earth, but it gives actually more energy than the earth requires as an excess of energy. And what we as human beings have to do is find ways to get rid of that excess energy. And this is where festivals come in. This is where parties come in. This is where basically Bataille is saying that any system that tries to make you completely efficient that you use all of your energy for a cause is going to collapse. Yeah. That actually human beings need spaces where we are giving an excess of that energy for no return. A system based on uh, endless growth is unsustainable. Is that what you're talking about? That's just a Muse song that I like a oh, lot. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, called, yeah. Uh, I think it's called unsustainable but it's like yeah it's really it's a fun song yeah well that that's that that is true I think I'm trying to think it probably does connect yeah but um, it's not what you're talking about but it's yeah. not what I'm talking about primarily um but it is this idea of like you're starting to, we need these spaces like Vegas and Palm Springs where where there is no there is no uh economic and I, by economic I don't mean financial I just mean like uh exchange yeah you're, you're not, not doing fun for other people like and of course Instagram's a big issue for us all and videoing is that are we having a good time if we don't actually find a way to monetize it or make it make us look better there's also the flip side i mean the instagram stuff is such an interesting because as a social influencer um which is coincidentally how hitler's mom described (laughs) what he did for a living (laughs) ha (laughs) ha ha classic joke Um, i like that joke yeah it's an old one i need to start saying i mean we'll say in boston uh i'll be a laugh boston on february 17th folks come on by but uh with Mike Felzone and Craig Connor. And uh, anyway, um, as that as that type of person with followers, I also have been that for six years now. And when it comes to the commodification of my pastimes, I have stopped giving a shit. To the, and I mm-hmm. happen to be with someone who I think also doesn't give a shit. And now it's like if it's a double-edged sword too because if i don't want to be the person who hides things either yeah, yeah and then yeah, yeah. when i show them of course there's a bunch of comments and it's a bunch of like oh, and that part's cool for like a second yeah. and then it's very like okay like let's shut the door but there's no i don't know what the balance is there and it is yeah. weird it, it's like an impulse to be like this is fun let me show people uh and then there's another impulse that's like now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah, a, yeah. a, a it's there's no win really and that. that's right and the, the 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 thing that's not right which a lot of people talk about we we all want easy solutions so some people for example go the like i'm going off social media or i'm gonna yeah. not use my phone three days a week or whatever that's not a problem that's great if you, all of us have to set boundaries sometimes on our life like to the help screen us. time you use the screen, screen time, time yeah. thing on your phone that, that's oh yeah i haven't used it but you know that that stuff can be helpful mm-hmm. to a lot of people but the only thing that we have to remind ourselves of is that it's not that social media is bad or good. It's it's how we're using it. So so people can't put videos up of them having a good time, and it's not economic. It's not in order to build their brand or oh, their yeah, product. No. But but also people can do it for that reason. So a lot of it is like, am I just as an individual uh, be, 
becoming a one-dimensional individual yeah. am i starting to view myself as a commodity yeah and through the lens of whatever you're putting out there yeah. i mean even on like facebook that's a huge thing yeah i posted a photo on facebook for the first time in ages and yeah. i was like oh this is very interesting and you drop it in there you're like oh yeah this is a whole nother world yeah. excuse me that's closer to like just my friends and family most of my family um but yeah it's a different it's like oh this is like i wanted to post something i didn't want to go on it to be a huge public thing so i did it just on facebook and it's like oh what a weird mental thing that yeah. we all have like we all kind of have these different digital worlds that we can exist in, but that's different yeah. than no but it's true and and this is where we're all becoming perverts yeah well know? finally, finally Every, we can admit. everyone else is just catching up <laughs> yeah i've been a bit ahead of the curve yeah you've, you've been doing it well for years yeah um i've seen your room yes uh, <laughs> joe came out of the bathroom i was uh he was like Dude, you gotta clean your bathroom. And I was like, Joe, I haven't been here in three weeks. I was yeah. like, I don't know what's happening in that bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, sorry. Things are right. growing. Honestly, in yeah. some, some <laughs> countries you're breaking some rules for like biological yeah. oh, weapons yeah, in that yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't um, cook food in there. I'll no, tell you that. No, you no, shut down no. immediately. Yeah. Um, uh, if you had a weak immune system, I think you couldn't go in there. That's you have to actually like warn that. people. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So perverse it's not we live in a society where potentially we are being encouraged to have a perverse structure this is why there's two good documentaries on netflix by uh with shizak slavio shizak really like, yeah oh yeah really good oh i didn't know that yeah there's actually maybe three there's his two famous ones are the pervert's guide to cinema yeah and yeah. the pervert's guide That's on to netflix? ideology I think so maybe if it's not, not it's on youtube i think yeah you can find but i'm not good at watching things on youtube yeah so easy I, to find I'll definitely search for Zizek on, yeah. on Netflix. I didn't know that was a thing. Cool. Yeah, and they're they're very good. But the reason why the question obviously you first come to when you hear those uh, documentaries is why are they called the perverts guides? Mm -hmm. Right, perverts guide to ideology, perverts guide to cinema. And one way to understand it is that Zizek is making the point that uh, we are being encouraged to have a type of perverse psychic structure. And what that means is the pervert is a person who is able to be fully in the world. Perverse subjects find it really easy to be fully integrated into whatever environment they're in. So for example, they're very good at being judges, CEOs, lawyers, politicians. Um, uh, but with a caveat, uh, because nobody can be fully integrated into the world, it would kill you, right? So the caveat is you have a transgressive private world. Mm -hmm. right so the perverse subject they're really good at just giving themselves to their work 100 percent. but then on the weekend they're sniffing cocaine off a rent boy's ass yeah or they're uh uh you know doing do you know first of all palm purchases. springs has all sorts of activities the fact that i did that isn't like yes be the headline yeah okay. it's not an unhealthy necessarily pastime yeah, yeah i also absolutely. it it's not <laughs> Don't put me in a box. Yes. But yeah. So, the, but it, but you know, here's the funny thing. That's the extreme because we all know. Oh yeah, perverse subjects like at private schools where everybody is taught to be, you know, treat everybody fairly, be sober, be rational. Yeah. Yep. But then you have your secret society where you get drunk and you're you do terrible things. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a perverse structure. But in a way. That's what we're all encouraged to do. That's with like the, the weekend. Good thing. Yeah, you should be like that, right? Shouldn't you kind of go out and then like be able to blow off steam and kind of? There's nothing necessarily wrong with it, okay. but there's a better way. And I'll, he we'll says before that. he gets on a plane to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but that's a good thing, right? Yeah. I'm being my best self. Yeah. It it is definitely the way that 
we are being encouraged in the West act. So in other words, you fully integrate into your work from nine to five, Monday yep. to Friday. But then at the weekend, you go and you get drunk, you do some crazy stuff. Um, that's, that's, although you're not a perverse person, that's a perverse structure. Yeah. Uh, so the, the perverse person is very good at being in the world. On the other side is the psychotic. The psychotic is really out of the world. They, a psychotic individual can create fantasy worlds where, you know, they get into conspiracy theories, they become paranoid. Um, somebody's cool hoovering. Apparently somebody's our vacuuming, vacuuming our outside door for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, I don't think that's ever been touched. No. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, the psych- I didn't know we had carpet out there till yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, you'll only be able to see it once they yeah. uh, <laughs> take so the layers of dirt. Of dirt. Um, yeah, the, the, the psychotic individual they get caught up in fantasies of the fbi being after them or chemtrails or or psychotic communities that believe that ufos are gonna you know aliens are gonna take us away on a certain date etc etc so psychotic individuals are always tend towards being out of the world so if the, if the temptation of a perverse subject is to be in the world yeah the temptation of the psychotic is to be completely out of the world <laughs> this is <laughs> Unbelievable. 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 If you're hearing that, folks, it's uh, pretty <laughs> funny sounding. Uh, but the neurotic is in the world, but not of it. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah, I'm definitely a neurotic. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like the perverted stuff applies too. That said, yeah. though, I don't know, man. I go. There's an interesting uh thing that happens at work where, like, I go into work and I'll be like gung-ho like mm-hmm. i'm gonna write this we're gonna do this and i'll get there early make coffee and then my buddy steve will show up and we'll do a thing where he's like well he's like you want to smoke something real fast and and then we'll we'll film and i'm like yeah i do yeah. and it, it's a very like i don't know what bracket that fits into because there's an element of like i guess it would be i guess you're right it would be literally doing a recreational activity that's funny yeah I, was I talking to Joe about this where I was like I haven't smoked pot in a long time and then Joe was like you do it before we film at work <laughs> and I was like I don't count that yeah. I was, and I was like oh no I was, that's what that is that's so funny because my mate my mate Jimmy once he was telling me that he'd given up drinking so I'm not drinking and as he's telling me he's drinking a beer and I'm like, you're drinking beer? And he's like, oh, oh no, beer doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, beer doesn't count. <laughs> that's, not, that's nothing. That's not. Uh, Especially a beer, the, yeah, normal beer. You can have, <laughs> if it's like a Miller Lite, you can have like 12 of those things and be fine. Uh, but yeah, it was like that where I was like, oh yeah, I guess I, I do, but that doesn't, that's not real. That yeah. stuff is, that's for work. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. And I told him, I was like, that's just my chance to like go down and like hang out with Steve for a second and blow off steam and then come back up. But yeah. yeah it's you a, are a living example of jazz on Peep Show because that <laughs> literally happens to jazz. <laughs> That's exactly what you're like. Jess says, I, I, I wasn't a drug addict, right? And then Mark says, like, dude, I'm drink, telling you. You take it every day. I am telling you. I am going to write the pilot that I write that is about us living <laughs> together is going to be Peep Show 2.0. Oh, it's going oh. to be, it's exactly that except with the comedian and the philosopher. And there's going to be added stuff. And it's going to be a little bit more not, you know, through the eyes of the other person. I will invest all a, of my money yeah. in that. I oh, will give dude, you a blank check. I think we could do... <laughs> We could do some cool, we could do a cool like spec thing and film it or something. Maybe with the, because yeah, it'll be real. It's going to be real good. <laughs> Very sitcom. But anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because yeah, on that, because what's happening is most people, most people are kind of neurotics, but neurotics are always tempted to either 
get rid get to get rid of their anxiety either by giving themselves to a perverse structure or a psychotic structure. So a neurotic oh, person. Oh, I'm giving myself to a perverse structure. Yeah, and whichever. Welcome to self diagnosis. <laughs> Um, so the, the neurotic person might go, I want to join that sex cult, right? That sounds like they've got the answer. So that's yeah. them being tempted to get rid of their anxiety by getting out of the world. Or they might give themselves fully to their work and then they try to release their tension at the weekend by getting absolutely drunk and mm-hmm. whatever. But this is where there's a better way. This is where the phrase be in the world but not of it actually has real philosophical uh, insight. First of all, I just want to say props to you because I've been a Looney Tune during this podcast and you have done a great job of keeping on topic. Oh, thank and you. And I, th- I bet people are noticing and they're appreciating because I appreciate it because we're going off on tangents and stuff and you are back at it. It's real good. Well, it's the tangents that make it. This, we, we go and we go off on a tangent yes. and we come back. Well, it's a perverse structure. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. A, we do the thing, we do the talk and then we go and we come, we enter into the world of us just chatting and then we the go The absurd back. and then we go from the absurd exactly. back in. Yes. Perfect. You're, yeah, you're, it's example. actually, this is a beautiful metaphor for the entire thing that you're talking about in some way and I can't bullshit enough right now because yeah i'm hungover anyway so thank you but bottom line thank you for you're doing a great job you're bringing more to this episode than i am at all i love your no i love the meta analysis where we stop and go like how are, how are we doing it yeah exactly I think we're doing okay yes. I think it's, you know, so it's better than because we do that at the end of every episode every, every time we stop recording and then you'll go i think that was good and then you'll go or you'll go what did you think of that yeah, yeah. and i know that there's i know what that means so. oh yeah the two different meanings yeah um but yeah the, uh, the the, the the movement either to get rid of your anxiety, yours as in yes. whoever, mine, by by either giving ourselves to a perverse structure or a psychotic structure. But what's the alternative? And the alternative is how to mobilize your anxiety, how to enjoy it, how to weaponize it for the good. And that's that's the key because the perverse structure it just want it just wants to make you into a a one dimensional individual who feeds frenetic, who commodifies everything in your life, folds up even sleep, even meditation, yep. everything into being a more productive individual. Or the psychotic, which is get rid of, just jump out of society, join the sex cult or join you know the little community that's in the middle of nowhere um, and try and get out of the world. Those are two ways to try to avoid this. But the real challenge is, is how do you enjoy your discomfort in the world and how do you make sure that you have spaces in your life that are not commodified? Yeah. That actually um, are are not valuable. What Bataille would say is basically the pure excess of sacrifice. This is what sacrifice was about. The you pure excess of sacrifice? Yeah. What does that mean? Because it, when you sacrifice your, your best animal, one of the symbolic notions there is that there's no commercial or economic value to that. You're literally destroying something without getting paid for it, without using it. It's a pure excess of um, sacrifice, of getting rid of something without return. That's kind of what a hobby at its best should be. It should be something that is outside of economy. It, it's something that is pure gift or pure destruction, not not commodified. Yeah, interesting. I've yeah. never thought of sacrifice that way. Yeah. That's what, but why Bataille? Bataille was a, a, a religious thinker and a pornographer, 
and uh um, oh really yeah yeah he was a great kind what of like a, what a <laughs> eclectic person yes he was and a surrealist he was know, a religious thinker guy. he was a pornographer oh of course yes. <laughs> yeah they, those things go so well together yeah. well in bataille they do because for bataille it was like the pure excess of sex this is why he didn't like the sexual revolution in many ways he, he didn't like the commercialization the commodification of sex for him sacrifice and sex are acts <laughs> of pure destruction without return dude we we were uh me and joe were at this event and uh this thing and and there was this person who was like they were talking about like we started basically she was talking about sex and she was talking about how she does like sex stuff and uh at the end it's like we're dudes we're being kind of and we're also assholes we can be assholes we were very self self admitted assholes and um there was a conversation of like what happened to sex didn't sex used to be like it used to be so cool and yeah. it used to be kind of sexy and it yeah. definitely got usurped by or were we talking about it's yeah. everyone now is like sex 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 and it definitely has made me on a personal level just be like whoa this is like this was something i used to have anxiety over at well i still have anxiety over sex who doesn't but like growing up in a christian world sex is like this big taboo like mysterious thing and uh and now we live in an era where it kind of is like just so ubiquitous and everywhere and i guess maybe every generation goes through this maybe it's part of entering into my 30s where i'm just like ah like this is not everyone has this and everyone has commodified it and it's made it less special for sure yeah yeah and and yeah and definitely there's something we should do we oh we did do whole episodes on sex but I, you're we bringing up more. such a yeah an oh i bet point. people would listen if we did more <laughs> episodes right? on sex <laughs> yeah because there is a certain sense you see this actually in the popular culture that that things like sex and desire and personal idiosyncrasies and uh like what makes you like the things that make us us which are our our desires that are often bad our desires that are often dirty and and, and secret mm -hmm. that that those are there's no space for them in the public realm that if you know if you're yes. it used to be if you wanted to be if you wanted to be go out be crazy drugs sex rock and roll you became a rock star yeah you just you know lived this crazy life but uh interestingly now within the entertainment world there's a certain sense in which you know those things are like you have to be very careful and rightly so in many ways but the point is that it's funny they're kind that, of baked in they're big things and it's almost like you have to uh everything we do has to just be commodified it has to be part of this. so what's the what's the answer what do you do with that like i mean is it a if you exist in the world but not of it like mm -hmm. there is a um which i'd love for you to talk touch more on but like there's what can you do like this is yeah. the world we live in uh it's certainly the world i live in i have commodified my actually you know what's interesting i don't know that i at least in terms of the valley folk i don't know you haven't that... got much value for what you commodified uh -huh. I, I tried to sell my soul but didn't get much money <laughs> yeah <for> exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah no i sold my soul but it was uh it turned out it was yeah yeah you said Bargain you bucket. said the joke um, <laughs> uh yeah i feel like my friendships with the other folks uh have has grown um exponentially since commodifying it oh, so yeah. i can't i would say like we didn't we weren't all hanging out all the time mm-hmm before the valley folk happened we would see each other every now and then we different relationships with everybody and now it's like a very good time but it's also like um 
I think I don't think that time of closeness would have happened without yeah. the commodification. Yeah. Well, that that's being in the world but not of it, in the sense of you're. We all have to live within the world. There's nothing wrong with a lot of our world. Like yeah. you know, you can make a good life. You can enjoy great food these days. You can do lots of things, and you've commodified something with the valley folk. But you also have spaces that are not about that. Like, you know, last night you wanted your friend over, yeah. you drew over, and you were chatting about life. Oh, and it was beautiful. All of that. And so, in a way, it's it's basically going, you, you need the spaces of resistance to to your world within your world. Yeah. And that's what I think you're you're doing, you know. But but we're so tempted. And I have a temptation towards the perverse structure. I was wondering, I was like, yeah, we should talk about, like, are you, you go to, casinos you got you can't what's your what's your sort of yeah yeah well see i i don't really suffer from much anxiety i should suffer from more that that's why with you are uh, you are perpetually relaxed yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the drugs it's the drip yeah um, the uh the, the the what they do in psychoanalysis is when you go in they kind of make you into a neurotic that's the idea is whatever whatever you are they try to make you act like a neurotic in other words they get you to start questioning your life why do i do that why do I think like that? Why do I have those dreams? Mm -hmm. Why do I treat my mom or my dad or my friends like that? So you'll find that in the therapeutic setting, the neurotic is the person who has the most potential for change. So you get people to inhabit the neurotic space, to feel their anxiety, to question themselves, because the neurotic's the one who's always questioning. Do I love them? Do I not? Do I like my job? Do I not like my right. job? Do I like where I live? Not. Just an undertone of constant stress. Yeah, this constant stress is constant questioning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really hard to silence, except maybe when you're drunk. A lot yeah. of neurotic people get drunk, or not even drunk, just have a few drinks just to escape that that anxiety. Am I am I being uncool in this party? Am I did I say the wrong thing? Uh, all of that it's stuff. Like a plague of like self awareness that yes. happens where you're like you're too self aware. And then, yeah, because yeah. I get, like, in my head where I'm, like, so yeah. self-aware of everything. And it's like, you got, what do I do to just get out of this? Get thing? out of that. The brain. Yeah. And the problem is if you, if someone's going, say, to a party and they drink a bit in order to silence that voice, it, with the return of the repressed, the next day they can go, oh, my God, did I act inappropriately? What did I do? Who did I talk to? Et cetera. Cool. So, but the, yep. the, the analyst actually tries to, in a controlled environment, get you to be like that, to actually... It, turn up that voice yes. to, to kind of really get to, to look ratchet at it, it up. Yeah, to, yeah. Yep. And the idea is going that that voice is actually, if you can mobilize that, that will create a libidinal energy. That will create an energy for you to, to begin to work through stuff, maybe change dimensions of your life and also accept the voice a little bit. Um, but uh, I find it very hard to access that voice. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, Interesting. But you know but but uh, i feel the same at times i mean yeah I've, I've in my um extended sessions of blah 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 therapy blah 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 uh it's a lot of that it's a lot of like okay like let, let's look at that and he'll do yeah. the, he'll, he'll do the fun little thing he's like nope stay in it and i'm like ah, yeah. it's very fun but it's also like Ugh, it's exhausting who cares and um, it's like if, if the if you if the if your therapist can't get you into that space it's kind of, it's not wasted time, but it doesn't get very far. Mm -hmm. it, if you can't get into that space of feeling conflict within you, of feeling, that's why uh, in psychoanalysis, again, the, the, what's called the short session, only Lacanians practice this, but where a session might last, <laughs> it could last three minutes. It could actually, you could walk into your analyst, analyst room and they could say, session's over. Still have to pay them and then you have to leave. 
only Lacan did that really but um, I did s short sessions yeah. for a while and I would have the majority of my psychoanalytic sessions were 15 minutes or less what why why what happened well because the idea is that you're well I think this is what he was trying to do yeah um, is that I was not getting angry I was not getting annoyed I was not having affect I wasn't getting frustrated <laughs> so actually by shutting off the session early he was trying to evoke my frustration and you anger, yeah. piss me off, and get me to... Just, and did that work? It, you know, yeah, to a certain extent. But probably, um, yeah, I should have done it for longer. But it, but the, the I fact should have is, gotten angrier. You should have got angrier, yeah. Um, but it is, it's a great technique for some people. Yeah. Some, and it, it's only, by the way, they're very precise about when they use it and how they use it. Um, I, I had a great... Here's a good example. I was... Uh, doing psychoanalysis with uh, a woman, Patricia, uh, Patricia Garavici. And um, at one point, I was talking about my previous analyst, who was Bruce Fink, and I said... Whose book I have. In, yeah, in the, he's, he's basically a, one of the, the leading Lacanian analysts. Really? He's incredible. His, the book on... Um, like Freud, a, is it? Yeah, a, a clinical approach to Freud is, yeah. so, is really good. I still I haven't finished it, so it's going to remain on my shelf for yeah ever but um yeah no it's really good yeah no he's a great he's a great writer but you were talking about him with oh, yeah patricia so, patricia so i was uh i was saying what would happen is often we would be talking about something and as soon as i would kind of raise my voice and say yes that's a good insight uh he would end the session and uh patricia Ooh. was like oh, did that did that you know, was that frustrating for you? And I was like, yes, it was. And then she went, okay, we'll end the session there. I was like, you just oh, did exactly. Oh, gotcha. Everyone knows you. Everyone has yeah. your number. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. It was like 10 minutes in. Um, but Pete has a problem getting angry, everybody. <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, but it was like, so that, so the very, what was clever about short sessions, I think some people don't like them, some analysts don't like them, but is that the very length of the session is used in order to help get you, it will to help do something. And in this example is to help you, you know, get, get frustrated, start to feel yeah. something. Otherwise I could go through hours of just talking without any, any emotional affect at all. Yeah. And then it becomes that sort of like topical, like issue based sort yeah. of thing where you're like, like I did that my last therapy session where, and I didn't like it, but it did help. But it was sort of the nature where I was at, where it was like bullet points, where I was like this, and he'd be like this, and I'd be like this, this, and it, we covered mm -hmm. like five subjects or something. And it, when it was done, I was like, well, that was just me asking advice. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that wasn't really therapy. That yeah. was just me being like, am, am I good here? Am I good here? What's going on? What's going on? And I don't like that because yeah, that felt yeah. dependent more than it felt like uh, like I was really working on anything. That's it. And psychoanalysts are very, very attuned to stopping that. I mean, it's some psychotherapists and some counselors, that's what you're needing. Mm -hmm. But in psychoanalysis, they, they'll stop that. Yeah. Like as soon as you start to talk theory, for example, talking, oh, you know, is this what you're doing or whatever, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll go, why are, you know, it's interesting you're asking that. Why are you asking that? Like it's always about trying to... Uh, get under get get under get to something almost like there's an unconscious thing happening almost almost as if yeah well we'll work on that theory and see if we can come up yeah. hammer anything out <laughs> uh yeah it's very fun i remember uh as i was in the therapy session he would start talking about one of the subjects and i'd be like dun, 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 dun. And I'd be like got it okay i understand yep um, the next thing is uh <laughs> yeah. and it was very like i was cutting him off mm -hmm. and being like okay i get it let's not like whatever let's not waste time i got also i need to talk to you about this 
and uh but yeah it wasn't as good like, yeah that's not yeah. what it's about it's not no. the fun part you don't, you don't get very far you're you're paying for someone to listen to you maybe give you a bit of advice mm -hmm. but um but not to really fundamentally challenge the whole structure of your life you yeah know, to, to, for the leopard to change its spots yeah. leopard to change its spots i like that yeah or the leper to change his spots oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. different um yeah. cool man what a fun what a fun so anyway so back to product you're becoming yeah. a product you don't want to become a product but at the same time we live in a society and in a, a, a ecosystem that's going to kind of like make that happen regardless so what what's the advice that you would have to people to not become a product not become a mm. machine not become a thing that's like you know how how what what should you what's the most tangible advice and maybe this is an impossible question to ask because it probably goes against the the very nature of what you're talking about but like what's the best piece of advice for people to live in the world but not of it but not of it yeah that's great because and this is true like really of any ideology or any system whatever world you live in there is always a temptation to give yourself fully to it uh, or to completely reject it yeah um but how do you stay within it but not be not become of it in a healthy way that makes a difference and I suppose the real practical advice is first of all go okay what's my temptation is my temptation perversity which is i'll throw myself into my job five days a week nine to five as long as i've got my zen retreat on saturday yeah. or my church on sunday or my drinking on friday night um then you know so I'm, I'm, is that how i deal with things or is my temptation to throw it all away and you know join some religious cult yeah. and whatever um and then start to kind of try to ask yourself, are you commodifying? Are you folding everything into economy? And by economy, I simply mean value. Yeah. That everything you do, you sleep because it makes you a better worker. You, uh, uh, you have fun because you can put it on Instagram. You're not you, being human. Yeah, you're, you're just, yeah, you're becoming one dimensional. Mm -hmm. You're, you're treating yourself as a commodity. You're commodifying, not just other people, which we do all the time, but you're commodifying yourself Yeah. and ask yourself, is there an area of my life that resists that? What is the area and how do I protect that? How do I expand it? How do I enjoy it? And it'll be different for everybody, but it's kind of like isolating. What is your hobby? I, it is it's funny you said it you said it brilliantly about you Thank talked you. about that phrase a make, make your hobby your job you'll never work it in yeah. life yeah and then oh, yeah. and then the second bit which is the thing to remember but no hold on a second maybe by definition a hobby is something that should never be something that you fully take make into your work dude uh, <laughs> uh cypress hill has a song called uh do you, rock superstar do you want to be a rock superstar and live large big cars five house whatever um it's a oh, yeah. old rap song yeah and but there's a line there's like a spoken word rap at the end where he's just like yeah it's a fun job but it's still a job and it's like <laughs> oh yeah this is inevitable it's like, inevitable we've talked about this with the valley folk it's like the success the the stuff that like we're on a good path right now but like the best moments are st still yeah like we're always just like this is work like yes. this is a it's taking from us in yes. some way even though it is bonkers fun yeah and that that rap song is, is like that shows the desire we all have to try to get rid of the struggle of life in some way so you get rid of the struggle of life by you know, making your hobby what you do or by escaping whatever but actually the point is no you can't escape the struggle that's yeah. the insight on and in philosophy it's called the ontological antagonism the antagonism that is built into being itself in other words struggle 
is is inherently a dimension of being. Uh, the okay. ontological antagonism of Cypress Hill. There we yes. go. There you go. Is that the title? No, that's I good. Know, I yeah. think that's a very good title. Yeah, it's fun. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that. Yeah, the struggle is part of being itself, and that's why that's why there's no way of of fixing it. So for the perverse subject, it looks like it works, mm-hmm. but they have to have their crazy their weirdness, fetish yeah. club on a Friday, their totally. Zen club on a Sunday, their whatever. Right. The the psychotic thinks they can escape it. But they, but they fall into paranoia and this extreme sense that the other is attempting to destroy them. And the neurotic is just like, why can't I escape it? <laughs> yes, exactly. The neurotic wants to be perverse or psychotic, yeah. right? And uh, uh, but the the neur- a happy neurotic walking in a park is a good metaphor for what we're aiming at. Is a happy neurotic not Deleuze the philosopher? He says a happy uh, schizophrenic is his notion but i think the psychoanalytic idea is that we want to be a happy neurotic uh being in the world but not of it challenging ourselves to try to live better uh, but realizing that there's no way to escape that struggle entirely yeah, that you're never going to get out yeah you're not going to make it out no alone. exit the start would say yeah. well that's very beautiful um i had yeah. thought i don't remember what it was do you want to do a takeaway so are we at the takeaway point i think we probably are um yeah we're at a nice 49 minute that's very good time oh yeah if we do if we do a casual uh takeaway we talked about this last podcast we did but you have a remarkable ability to come up with subject matter that does in some way feel very relatable um in my basically i look at your life and then decide subject matter in relation to whatever's going on yeah and it works (laughs) uh and you're hitting it out of the park uh yeah i mean there's definitely like I can relate to all of that. I also feel like there's like, but I also go like there's seasons yeah. of life and I'm like, I'm in a mm-hmm. season, but that's also, I mean, if you want to go crazy with it in this perverse structure, maybe the season of life is part of the perverse structure. Just yeah. as, you know, it's just a longer elongated version of it. But, um, yeah, it's a, I like it a lot. I think that, um, what would be my takeaway here? Well, uh, by the way, you're saying that, like these are all defenses. Like the the perverse structure is a defense against the struggle of life. The psychotic structure is a defense against the struggle of life. Yes. And your neurotics attempts to self medicate through religion or drugs, alcohol, or art, Vegas. whatever. Vegas. That's a way to try to self, you know, to to protect ourselves. Not all of these are legitimate strategies. Yes. To some extent, the problem is when they become so big. Yeah. So, so it's like if you yeah, if anyone listened to this and go, oh shit, sometimes I do go out and go crazy on a Friday night, whatever. It's like there's nothing wrong with that. The, the reason you is, do it is because it works. Is it works and it, because your life is difficult, but you don't want it to become such a solid structure that you can't make changes. Yeah. So really, you're you stay in a terrible marriage because you have that the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the thing on the side or the job or whatever right it, mm-hmm. it does you, your perverse the perverse structure the problem is your transgressive act keeps you in the same world you're in it yeah. keeps you in the paralysis. marriage yeah. paralysis as much as you feel like you might be wild and crazy you're actually just using it so you can be monotonous yes it's i mean we we come to this theme in different ways like when we talked about vegas is like people go to vegas to go crazy because and then they go back into the, the their the life that they hate for yeah. the rest of the the, t- the the year and it's like oh so vegas is not actually helping change your life it's actually making you not change your life right <laughs> your transgressive weekly or yearly visit to vegas actually keeps you 
in a situation that's bad for which you. Which also might be a result, though, of people going, they choose that. You know, they do that. Like, they, yeah. they whatever life that they're in, which is something I have to learn because I'm always like, go for it. Do this. Change this. You know, make the life that you want and blah, blah, blah. And then you some people... And I'm guilty of this too. You, they're like, no, this is this is the situation I'm in. I have priorities that might be different than mm. my own yeah. happiness or growth. And I'm like, oh, that's just not. That's nothing I can. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't not respect that. But anyway, yeah. Um, and, and you're 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 inviting people to be conscious of that because you're absolutely right. There's sometimes you're in a job, for example, and you go, yeah, of course I'd like to leave my job. I'm not happy in my job, but there's no other options, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so, but then, but be, being conscious is good because if you're unconscious of that then what you'll do is you'll get become maybe an alcoholic or yeah. something. You'll get drunk every weekend. You'll damage your liver. You'll die young. But if you're Wait, aware alcohol of Alcohol damages your liver? Yeah, sad to say. Some research points to it, but I'm not convinced. Okay, me I still believe Guinness when they say Guinness is good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to start believing scientists now. No, no. <laughs> yeah, why change? Not at this stage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, um, the person who's not conscious of that, they're going to damage themselves. But if you're conscious of it, you can begin to uh, be healthier. Hell yeah. This so you can, yeah. So that's. We just made a good episode of this goddamn podcast. This is a good one. You reckon that we, we either you think that because the edible just kicked in? Nope, or no, no we... edible. <laughs> I am completely, I did have a drink, but yeah, only because mm-hmm. I'm about to. By the way, for folks listening, I'm not like on a bender right now. I'm having he's a actually, great He's actually, he's not. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, you're, I think you're a healthy example of what I'm talking about, which is you are doing work hard you're in the world doing what you love you've made your hobby into your life but you also have these areas of your life that are just pure excess and fun and enjoyment without commodifying everything yeah and that's kind of what i'm arguing for is that that we have to try to be conscious of ourselves and our environment have realize that we need to work try to make our work better and also have areas of our life that's pure expenditure pure sacrifice yeah we have to be the religious figure killing our best calf every now and again i used to when i was young i haven't done this for years but i just remembered it when i was a late teenager there's a few times i i destroyed something valuable of my own to kind of like remind myself of this oh there's the coffee machine well better than the vacuum yeah, uh, maybe I should just, I love that coffee machine. Maybe I should destroy that. But oh, please don't. I love that yeah. coffee machine. But it was after I'd kind of come into terms with, you know, I'd heard about this. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah, just destroying something valuable but meant that there was, it was not economic at all. And it kind of, some, it did make me feel more in control of my life. I'm not yeah. advocating that people do that, but that's what sacrifice was. You took one of your animals, your best animal, and you took it out of economy. So what I'm saying is take a little part of your life and take it out of Instagram. That's yeah. funny. I was in Palm Springs and I, I had this outfit that I wear that's like flower. Oh, I've seen it. That's one it. wonderful. Yeah. And it was pouring outfit. rain. And I was wearing it. And I just like took the top off and like put it on a chair and it was like getting just completely drenched. And um, uh, it was Grace's brother's boyfriend, I think, was like, can you? He was like, is it okay if you're like, that's like a vintage thing. He's like, okay if it gets rained on and i was like i think it's fine if it gets rained on i was like also i don't value my belongings i have a really bad, bad problem with that. i was like if it gets ruined it's fine i don't give a shit yeah. <laughs> but at the time i was like that's probably not i don't know if that's a likable thing to, for somebody to hear just like oh i don't i don't have any like yeah. my car has dents in it and it's just like that you know, and, cool... you, but, and that was very helpful because i saw that you got this you really you got a really nice car you've scratched it both times my fault well no one time my fault yeah, yeah. but you and you don't care in a healthy fault. way 
you're going because you know you like it, but you're also going. It doesn't control you. It's not no. like yeah. Or somewhere, or I'm so enraged by it, and I'm so repressed by it that one day I'm just going to take a bat and just destroy my car, yeah. or I'm going to destroy somebody else's car. It could be that, but no, I think I just don't give a shit. But yeah. that's also, an, a, it, that's the comfort of that's a place of being in a place in life where it's like things are going well generally, yeah. and when things are going well generally, scratches on the car don't really make a big, yeah, big dent. Oh, nice. yeah. Uh, Ending on a, a solid joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've enjoyed this podcast. Pete, yeah, do you have a takeaway? Too. I think you kind of said yours, but. Yeah, I think, I think my takeaway is kind of in there already. Cool. But, but just to, to say, like, because we always do a takeaway, it's like, it's like, yeah, ask yourself, you know, how do I try to uh, get rid of my anxiety? And actually, is there a way of mobilizing for the good? I love it. Well, thank you very much, Pete. It's been very fun. I'm going to go to Vegas now. Enjoy.